Mother's Day, we started a, a series uh, of looking at some Old Testament characters and um, looking at the, the life lessons that they would teach us. And there's so many of uh, these wonderful Old Testament characters that just have great life stories uh, for us to learn from. Uh, but having eight is about all, I guess, that imagine that you could you want to put up with before, let's say, let's, let's move on to something else. So today is, today is the last one. And, and we're going we're gonna to talk about a, a woman that maybe might surprise you that is found in this book of uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, where we call it the roll call of the faithful. And it's a woman by the name of Rahab. You might be familiar with her. You might know what her reputation was. You might know uh, what her past was, what her story was. And then you might be surprised that of all the characters that we've studied that we might consider to be maybe paragons of faith, even though probably all of them, but Enoch had some issue in their life that they had to deal with. No, nobody's perfect. Nobody uh, uh, is, is without the need of God's grace. Everybody has that need. But we look at some of these Old Testament characters, and we looked at Hannah, a woman of faith, and Enoch, a man who walked with God. And then God just took him out of this world. And then there's Abraham and, and Noah and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. And we're probably pretty well familiar with their stories, even before we looked at them here in this series of messages. Um, and, and probably the other thing about it is, is, is that as, as we maybe grew up or now, maybe we're looking at uh, w- w- with our children or maybe with grandchildren, you're looking at Bible stories. Some of these characters, I'm sure, store up in the Bible story books. But how many of you have ever seen uh, a story or a Bible picture story about Rahab? I mean, that's just, prob- that's just not somebody, it's like it's not polite to talk about Rahab in, in, in church circles. But I think it's a story, a tremendous story that we, that we need to focus upon. And, and, and um, God thought so because uh, he included her in, in the book of uh, Hebrews in this roll call of the faithful. You see, what about Rahab? Why would she be included in this? Well, I, I think it's surprising that she is there because there's an obvious reason that God has for us to learn from her life. And as I look at Rahab, I describe her as a woman who has redeeming faith. We've looked at every one of these characters and about their faith and some qualifying about their faith. And so she is a woman with redeeming faith. We find Rahab's story uh, particularly mentioned in Joshua 2. And Joshua chapter 6. And then twice in the New Testament we find her mentioned. In Hebrews 11 in the roll call of the faithful. And we'll look at that in just a moment. And then in James chapter 2, 25. And then there's one other place that might surprise you that we'll look at at the end. So here's what the writer of Hebrews says about Rahab. Hebrews 11 verse 31. By faith the prostitute Rahab... Because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, that just very clearly um, describes Rahab. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So, why would Rahab be listed here? You know, there's certainly other Old Testament women who had faith, uh, but Rahab is an example of of the power of God's grace to redeem a sinner. And that's why I think that God had her listed in this roll call of the faithful in Hebrews 11. Her story is fascinating. 
And it's a part of a larger story about Joshua and the children of Israel conquering Canaan and claiming the promised land. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2 and verses 1 through 21. We'll pick up the bulk of the introduction about her story and understand more about her life, okay? Here's the way it starts. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shechem. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, some people have tried to, to interpret that word a little bit differently, hostess or innkeeper. But literally the word literally is what it says here, a prostitute. That's who she was. That's what she did. Now, we continue with the story. The king of Jericho was told, look, uh, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was closed. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them. Now listen to her story. You remember the setting for this? This is where... They have been sent to claim the promised land, and the children of Israel went in as spies and came back with a negative report and said, we can't take it. We can't claim it. But listen to Rahab's story. She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on all of us. Now she says, God has given you this land, and we are afraid of you because of that. We are melting in fear. Sounds kind of like July and August in Columbia, doesn't it? Melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. And the spies say, our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hill so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. The men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land... You have tied this scarlet cord in the window 
through which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house. If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we're doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. An intriguing story in it, an intriguing story that we find. And what a powerful story it is about Rahab and why she is included not only in this sermon series, but in this, in this book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter where we find the roll call of the faithful. You see, and the the, the underlying positive life message for us all is this from Rahab. And that is that God can redeem and transform anyone regardless of his or her past if he or she is willing to place their faith in God's redeeming grace. That's, That's the power of God's love. That's what we proclaim in Jesus Christ. That's what Rahab's life tells us. God can redeem and transform anyone regardless of their past if they're willing to place their faith in God's redeeming grace. You see, that's our story. That's yours. That's mine. That's all of us. See, Rahab experienced redeeming faith, and she's in the roll call of the faithful in Hebrews 11 because she was willing to do that. One writer said about Rahab that God took her from the house of shame to the hall of fame. God can turn a harlot into a heroine, a prostitute into a princess. And Rahab is a great model of the power of faith and the redeeming power of grace. And I think while the underscoring total life lesson is of God's redeeming power for anyone who will place faith and trust in him. I think there are at least five other lessons in here that underscore that main truth that we need to look at briefly this morning. Number one is redeeming faith is initiated by God's amazing grace. Redeeming faith is initiated by God's amazing grace. You see, every salvation story begins at the same point, and that is that it is initiated by God's redeeming grace. See, God chooses to pursue a relationship with us when we're in sin. Without God's love pursuing us, we would all be lost in our sin. But in His goodness and His grace, He pursued us, and He sent Jesus Christ into this world to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. You see, it's God's grace that pursues us. God's grace is amazing because of the people who chooses. Not just people like Rahab, but people like you and people like me. It's God's amazing grace that reaches down and redeems us all. See, we are all lost in sin no matter what sins we have committed. 
We can't put Rahab just over here on one side and say, boy, what an absolute testimony of amazing grace. And it is. But she's not alone. You and I are there with her as well. We might not have the same sins, but we're lost in sin. And it's only because of God's amazing grace pursuing us that we have the right to stand before God and be called righteous through Jesus Christ. Rahab was stained by her own sinfulness, but loved by God. And that's your story and mine as well. Here's a second observation. And that is that redeeming faith is generated by hearing about God. Here's Here's what I just love about this story. Rahab had heard about the greatness of God. How did she hear about that? Well, she was an innkeeper or she had a side business. How do you want to call it? She was a prostitute. And the men who would come in traveling would bring stories of what they had heard happening out there. And they came in and passed through and they brought stories about what God had done. She heard about how God opened and parted the Red Sea for the Israelites to walk through. And that's a reminder to us that the first step of faith is simply hearing about God. And then if you believe what you hear, then faith is born. And look at Rahab. She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. Imagine that. Here is a woman who is not a child of God at this point. And it appears to me that she has more faith than the Israelites had. You remember this story that they they were supposed to go in and claim the promised land. They sent two spies, Joshua and Caleb, were amidst of the ten spies that they sent in, or the spies that were sent in, to scout out the land. And they came back with glowing reports about it. Or it's an abundant land, milk and honey. And they brought back, they they, they had to take two men to bring back just one clump of grapes. You remember all that? They said, but there's a problem, and that is the Anakites who live there, they're they're terrible. They're big, they're huge, they're giants. We can't go up against them. Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can, let's go. But the majority ruled out. And the Israelites wandered in the wilderness because they were afraid to go. God, their God, promised them that land. All they had to do was go in his power and claim it. And instead, they were afraid. Rahab says, we've heard, this is interesting, we have heard what God did. We're melting with fear. We're afraid to death of you guys. And what's going on? The Israelites are scared to go in and do battle to claim the land. They wandered for 40 years. I think somehow that's the story of the church today. I don't want to get sidetracked too far from the story of Rahab, but I think we can weave that in there today. I think a part of the reason that the church has lost credibility out here in our culture is we don't believe in practice what we say we believe in principle. We say we believe in the God who can do immeasurably more than we can ever dare to ask or imagine, and yet we don't live by that, do we? Why don't we do that? You see, I think there are people outside the kingdom of God who sometimes look at the church and they have a little bit more faith in God than we do. Rahab did. She said, we've heard about this God and we are melting with fear. Meanwhile, the Israelites are melting with fear and they're scared to death. 
See, Rahab heard about God. And that's where redeeming faith begins because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Rahab heard those reports and she believed. And our faith today is generated the same way. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Rahab wasn't there when God parted the Red Sea or she would have seen. She heard it and she believed. The Israelites were there. They took part in that miraculous parting of the waters. They watched as God opened the Red Sea for them to go through, then closed it on Pharaoh and his army. And they still moved on from there and they grumbled and they complained and they doubted God's mercy and they doubted God's power. Rahab wasn't there, but she believed. Faith is generated by the word of God. Rahab heard about God and she believed. She believed even before she saw the walls of Jericho fall. I think sometimes that's what we keep doing today as believers and as the church as a whole. Okay, God did this in the past. That's miraculous. That's marvelous. That's wonderful. Let's see God do something great in the future. And then we'll have the faith to come along and do something that God wants us to do. Why can't we just believe that this is the God who has the power to do what he's done in the past to do anything he wants to do in the future? And that we in him can do anything he calls us to do. Redeeming faith believes that Jesus Christ can come into one's life and bring about an eternal change. Redeeming faith also believes that God, who can change a life, can also do anything he wants to do. We just have to believe that. Then there's the third observation, and that is that redeeming faith is demonstrated by good works. When the writer James in the New Testament argues about the importance of adding good works to your faith, he uses Rahab as an example. And I'll be honest with you, I forgot about that until I started doing this research. I forgot that he had Rahab in there. But in James 2, 25 through 26, he says, Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So here's the bottom line on that. Because Rahab believed, she demonstrated her faith. She put it to work. She put it to work in at least three ways. She risked her life by hiding the spies up on the roof and hid them under the stalks of flax. She risked her life by helping them escape by lowering them out the window in the basket. And then she risked her life by having that scarlet thread hang out of the window of her home. It was the first century preacher Clement of Rome who was one of the first to suggest that the scarlet thread out the window was a symbol of the saving blood of Jesus Christ. You remember the story of the Passover when the blood of the lamb was put on the doorpost of the, of the Israelites. That was a sign that the death angel would pass over and that the judgment of God would be passing over them and that there was redemption and salvation and safety in that blood of the lamb and Jesus Christ now is that lamb 
In fact, Herbert Lockler wrote about Rahab and said, Rahab's sins had been scarlet, but the scarlet line displayed a token of her safety, typified the red blood of Jesus, whereby the worst of sinners can be saved from sin and hell. See, real faith is always displayed in good works. Let's go back to Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 and add verse 10 to it. Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now look how it's broken down. First, God's grace is extended to sinners. That, that's, that's the grace offer. Then the sinner responds to God through faith. And Paul says even that faith is a gift of God. And then comes the good works of salvation. So we are not saved by good works. But we are saved by grace to do good works. Does everybody understand that? Everybody awake? Nobody asleep back here? Everybody understand that? We are saved by God's grace, right? Everybody nod. You got that? We are not saved by good works, but we are saved by God's grace to do good works. Everybody agree with that? You understand what I'm saying then? Okay. When we have redemption faith, then we display good works. Why? Because it says we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. See, James says faith without works is dead. Redeeming faith is always accomplished. Accompanied by good works. Good deeds are the constant companion of redeeming faith. Here's lesson number four. Redeeming faith is shared with those we care about. You remember Rahab's concern when she talked to the spies there before she, she kind of did business with them before she hit them and then got rid of them, you know, got them out to safety. She said, look, let's strike a deal. I'm concerned about my safety, but I'm concerned about my family's safety as well. What are you going to do about that? And so they struck a bargain. She was concerned about those she loved. She was not only concerned about her safety, her salvation, her deliverance, but her family as well. We need to understand today as we understand salvation, we need to understand how valuable salvation really is. And once we receive it, then we should want everybody who does not know it to come and experience that salvation. I love the character Andrew in the New Testament. When Andrew met the Lord Jesus, what was the first thing he did? What did he do? He went and got his brother Simon Peter. And look how God used Simon Peter. That was part of his plan. In fact, the interesting thing about Andrew is he's only pointed out three times in the New Testament. And every time you see him, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. He goes and gets his brother Simon Peter and brings him to Jesus. 
when Jesus is preparing to feed the 5,000 with a few loaves and fish, who brings the little boy to Jesus that has the lunch? Andrew. How did Andrew know that, what that boy had for lunch? He didn't go around looking and say, who's got food? Who's got food? What's in that basket? He just had built a relationship with that boy. And he brought him to Jesus. Then in John 12, Philip comes to Andrew and says, hey, Philip, there's a group of these Greeks over here, and they want to meet Jesus. What do you think we ought to do? And Andrew says, hey, let's take them to meet Jesus. Every time you see Andrew, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. The everybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ should be concerned about those who do not know Jesus. The Apostle Paul was once a Jewish Pharisee, but after he met Jesus, his obsession for his Jewish friends was that they would come to know Jesus as well. And he said in Romans 10, 1, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they might be saved. If you read on in there, Paul was even willing to say, I, I, I would be accursed if they would be saved. In other words, I would give up my life that they might come to be saved. See, when we experience the, the, the gift of salvation, and we understand how important it is, then we have a concern and a burden for those who need to know that same wonderful experience. What happened with Rahab? Well, the story tells us in Joshua 6 that when the Israelites finally obeyed and they marched around the city and the walls fell, that Rahab was spared. Everything else was destroyed, but Rahab and all her family were spared because by her faith, she had protected them. She had taken care of them. And it's an amazing story and tribute to God how he honors our faith on behalf of others. Here's lesson number five. And that is redeeming faith is validated by change in choices. Rahab, it's a wonderful story, isn't it? Rahab chose a new faith, a new family, and a new future. Rahab chose a new faith, a new family, and a new future. She chose the one true God as her God. She chose the people of God as her people. And she chose marriage and a family by the grace of God. How do we know all that? Well, we go to Matthew. This is where she's listed in the New Testament again for the third place. Matthew 1, 5 through 6. It's the genealogy about Jesus Christ, his birth. And listen to this. The genealogy of Matthew tells us Salmon... The father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Now you look at that. Rahab married a man by the name of Salmon. We don't have anything in Scripture about it. But Jewish tradition tells us he was one of the spies that she hid. Makes for a great love story, doesn't it? And they had a son, and his son was named Boaz. And Boaz was married to Ruth, another one of the great women of faith. And they had a son whose name was Obed. And Obed had a son whose name was Jesse. And Jesse had a son who was David, who would become the king. Now, what does that make Rahab? The great, great grandmother of King David. And lo and behold, Rahab, the harlot or the prostitute, 
is listed in the genealogy of the sinless Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that absolutely fantastic? What a story of redeeming faith. Now, here's the truth for you today as we close this out. When Rahab heard about God, she responded. She had faith and she believed and her life was transformed. If God can do that for Rahab, his transforming grace and power is still available to do that for you if that's your need today. That's the lesson we learn from Rahab. That God's amazing grace can transform any life if you're willing to place your faith in his transforming grace. If you need to do that, then do it today. Father, we thank you for these Old Testament characters who've taught us so much about faith long before they ever heard about Jesus. Help us today as we know Jesus and we also have these stories uh, of these faithful characters. Help us to be faithful. Help us as a church. Help us as individuals in this church. But help us as a church to be faithful and, and obedient and trusting of your great power. I mean, if you have power to save us, you've got power to enable us to do anything you want us to do. Help us to claim that faith as we move forward, seeking to impact our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then, Father, if there's one, two here today who, who, who have not yet responded uh, or have maybe have responded but haven't made it public yet uh, to claim your redeeming faith in Christ, may they come today and make that decision public. And, Father, may it all be done for your glory and your honor as we lift high the name of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.